Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everybody. In case this is the first time you've heard our podcast, predictably, it's about automobiles. Isn't that right? It's mostly about automobiles. Mostly, yes. Actually, mostly. Um, and Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find me at autoguide.com, as well as their YouTube channel. And you can find Ben at a number of other publications, including auto- autoguide.com and uh, Automobile Magazine, which is pretty cool. You're pretty stoked about that, eh, Ben? I'm stoked all the time, Sammy. I just can't help it. Life's amazing. Well, it's even more amazing when you're a contributor for Automobile Magazine. Um, this week, we've got some pretty cool cars. Actually... Two different cars from the BMW catalog. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's so interesting. <laughs> what are you laughing at? BMWs can still be fun. That's not what I'm laughing at. It's just, yeah, it's, it's totally interesting. I think of, of the two, though, you had the more interesting one. All right. So I'll, I'll start us off. I have the replacement for the BMW M2. Wait, 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 wait. Replacement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not just – it's not another model – available alongside the m2 it's, it's no the m2 is gone and has been replaced by dun, 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 the m2 competition wow i did not know that for some reason i thought the competition was a package you could buy which made sense to me because you, then you can just make more money right well bmw didn't tell everybody but the comp there was a competition and the loser of the competition was no longer accessible or available to the market. And therefore, the M2 competition, the successor to the M2 and winner of whatever competition it was internally, is the new BMW M2. I like and to. It's I like fully to. Fully called the M2 competition and not the M2 coupe, which was the old car. I like to imagine it was like uh, the movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, where they have the the arm wrestling competition. Yeah, and like the two cars had to face off and do like a weird arm wrestling thing, or maybe the engineers from from each team. Yeah, but, everyone, every engineer had to yeah, arm wrestle. It was like a round robin. But uh, <laughs> the weird thing about that movie, for those who who are maybe more into BMWs than arm wrestling. Is that it posits a world where you can win, I think, $100,000 in Las Vegas as an arm wrestler, but the actual grand prize isn't really the cash. It's a brand new 18-wheeler, which is weird because why does everyone who arm wrestles also have a stake in the transport industry? Like, what if you're just a really good arm wrestler and you suddenly now own an 18-wheel truck you have no use for? It's like no, what are you going to do? It's like and a, you all probably don't have a license for it. No, of course not. It's like being on the Price is Right and getting like one of those bad showcases where mm. it's just like appliances. The dud showcase, yeah. Yeah, the dud showcase. Appliances and like a sea-do. And you live in like the Midwest, <laughs> not near any <laughs> lakes, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, if I was to win the dud uh, showcase with the sea do I'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. I live in a condo in, in the middle of a city. Like, <laughs> well, you at least you live near a lake. That's true. A very dangerous lake, I think. What makes it's it a, dangerous? It's a, I mean, it's a great lake. Is it haunted? I think so. I Is mean, what gives what gives it the distinction of great? No, no, no. I'm I'm more focused on the fact you said it's a dangerous lake. Like, yeah, what's dangerous about it? Well, you don't just make something great without it, you know, conquering or. Anyways, we're getting. I think we're getting past the point of the M2 competition. All right, if you, you say wanna, so. I was wanna... having a good time, but <laughs> no, this that you weren't having a good time. That's because you were too focused on the competition. Now, the M2 competition. I'm going to keep saying that has an upgraded engine. It has an engine that's based on the same engine used in the M3, M4, 
It's an inline six. It's turbocharged. It delivers 405 horsepower, which is an increase of 40 horsepower over the old one. That's oh. over 10. percent And 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 okay. So a couple things here. When you say it's it's an improved motor, is it, is it a different motor? When you say, it, uh, let me think. I, I had the information of it right here. The N55 B30 was the old one, and the new one does. I don't know if I have that code. Let me see it. Um, I don't think I have that engine. Okay, follow up question S- that maybe you'll be able S- to answer because maybe it's you're the S55 now. So it is a different. Okay, vehicle. so the S ones used to be reserved for the B- the M series vehicles, and the past M2 had an N55, I believe. Yeah, which is uh, and it not was, the same thing. It was in, it was um, criticized for being a parts bin car, kind of because of that, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But um, the the basically, I think what they were criticizing was it was an upgrade over the just just a um, a, a tiered upgrade over the M2. 40 at the time and this is like a whole new this is a, a completely different engine that's so my, designed my, for active vehicles my follow-up question that hit me with it is why would anyone buy an m4 when this car exists um i think the m4 is slightly larger yes ex- exactly exactly it's slightly oh, yeah. larger it's heavier it makes, it makes more horsepower and i believe it has a number of really bespoke um components including like carbon fiber stuff and that helps make the car let's say special right no go on with the no. m2 competition why don't you okay fine <laughs> i absolutely love the m2 competition i've i've spent uh only a, a fewer day few i've spent fewer days with it than normal because i had to go and cover the detroit auto show and we'll talk about that later and i haven't had as much time on the road with it but every moment i do have in this car i love it i absolutely fall in love with this car every single time i think I think everybody should have one of these things. It's amazing. That engine in particular, it sounds great. It pulls really well. It's absolutely bonkers how fast this car is all the way through the rev range. It never feels like a peaky turbo engine that just like delivers a hit and it's like time to drip, try, time to change gears. This feels so good all the time. And I'm impressed that BMW has, has done this, especially because in the past, BMW has faced a lot of criticism criticism for uh what's the word i'm looking for losing their soft going soft losing their way and this car um it still lacks the uh, a very important quality and i think that steering it's not as tight you can't can't steer it it just goes in whatever direction. oh yeah yeah it just does whatever that's the competition that's wild that's totally wild actually what it does is it steers automatically to the nearest competition around um so if there's like a hot so it can set up so it can set up an arm wrestling contest yeah. right like it just seeks that out it's yes. an autonomous arm wrestling seeking vehicle i mean this is the future of our business is talking about ridiculous concepts like that <laughs> um unfortunately i have the dual clutch equipped version of the car which surprisingly is the slower version of the car when it comes to um, zero to sixty times. Did well, that's that? that's like the opposite of everything it, marketing has indoctrinated us about regarding dual clutch transmissions. Absolutely, and I didn't realize this until I started taking a look at their um, press uh, press materials. But the four second sprint to sixty is only achieved, or at least according to BMW, in that manual cut version. And the automatic or the dual, it's a seven speed dual clutch, which I thought would be very very fast. Is a 4.2 second sprint, which you think I don't really know. It, possibly the cars have different rear gearing. Um, it looks like they have that very much so, actually. Okay. 
and then it's probably a fuel mileage thing for the seven speed and they had to do something with the uh the rear gear to make it fit into whatever whatever epa category they wanted it in um the uh you know both of you and i have gone on record as saying the m2 was already probably our favorite bmw of mm-hmm. the last considerable while at least five years so the, you're, you're saying that the competition is a huge upgrade in every way uh it is maybe not a huge upgrade but a noticeable upgrade for the better i don't think there's anything here that got worse um maybe it's too expensive now and i think that was my biggest issue with the outgoing m2 it was the only reason i couldn't fully recommend the m the m2 when the m240 was just as good was really very good oh i don't know if it was just as good though do you really think that my my approach to the m240 is the fact that it's a more versatile vehicle because because you could if you really wanted to get more technology more comfort comfort features you could set it up in a in a in a way that um, accommodates a luxury drive or a more grand touring drive, or if you wanted to keep it as as basic as as possible, you'd still end up with a very enjoyable drive uh, car driving car. No, so do you, I, know, do you I, know what I mean? I think I think I understand what you're saying. I think for me, when the M2 first came out, um, mm-hmm. I remember the, being having the the weird sensation that the M240 steering was better, and then when yeah. the a year later. That changed, and the M2 electric steering improved to the point where I no longer felt there was much of a chasm between the two cars. But I did feel like handling-wise, the M2 is a step above the M240 in every way. Well, okay. I mean, look, you need to look at the way they equip the this vehicle. It has incredible summer tires. They're huge, too, and massive brakes. The brakes on this thing, first of all, the, I only have 4,000 uh, four thousand kilometers on this vehicle. How many? How many miles is that? Six hundred thousand miles. Six hundred million. I don't know either. Neither do I. We should figure that out. We should how get many, a, we should How get many furlongs is that? <laughs> we should just have on on hand always a conversion expert who just stays in the background and just does all the conversions for us in real time. Just calls them out from like like a stockbroker yeah. in the background. You know, when when I was a kid, my uh, my grandparents had a, a Volvo two forty DL, and uh, on the windshield. They had this like decal that was transparent, but it showed you the miles to kilometers and, and back again conversion because the speedometer in the Volvo was just kilometers only. And they did a lot of driving in the US. Um, in terms of the car, no the way the car. To <laughs> I don't really know. Memory. I don't really know what to say, but Does Ben even exists. Does his family even matter? <laughs> Who cares? Sammy has something to say about a BMW. <laughs> The unnamed Ben Memory Podcast. Yeah, maybe you should subscribe to that one and you can just I will, I will. Too. Oh my god. What's the website for that? You'd be like, I downloaded it, but I didn't listen. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> uh, there's something. there's a few issues with this uh, M2, which, which uh, scare me off a tiny bit. It's incredibly loud. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's Next. a good thing because you, it's really loud. Like, it's it's... Not fake loud. It's in pumping noise from the uh, ex- the what's the things called speakers. Speakers. I know what I'm talking about. It's not like that, which is annoying. You think it's you gave a whole thing about the emperor's clothes last time I talked to you about this. Remember that? I barely remember yesterday, but I you trust said, you. You said something like, "Imagine they made a." Uh, uh, <laughs> I can talk authoritatively about childhood memories of my grandparents' cars, but. Podcast from two weeks ago, forget it. Your weird analogy between the Emperor's New Clothes and uh, 
and the pumping sound through the speakers you thing. Keep that's, that's what I remember. <laughs> you just, pumping. Every time pumping, you say that, yeah. I think like I, I imagine like you hit the gas pedal and the Eurobeat intensifies. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like instead of that's exhaust exactly notes, would happen. Yeah, that would be cool. I would. You know what? Honestly, if a car gave me Eurobeat instead of fake exhaust, I would not complain about that. Okay, automakers, are you listening? Are no. you listening? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Okay, so it's very loud. It's very expensive, I think. Uh, it starts at 50... Ooh, I had this. $58,000. And that's for the manual version, which I think is probably the better, the ideal version. Um, that's a lot of money, man, for two series. It is a lot of money, but I guess, you know, it boils down to why you're buying the car. And if, if you're wanting to buy the most fun BMW on the lot, it's going to be the M2. So it, it, if you look at the M2's price and then you look at the M4 and you're like, oh, they're too close. It, it's not apples to apples because if That's you right. buy the M4, you're not getting something better. <laughs> I'm I'm really happy with the car, though. Like I cannot say it, it every time I drive it, you get. You, you just fall in love with it. And I, and I truly believe that this is a car that should be um, brought up to the attention of enthusiasts even even more than it is. But here's it, as what it takes to really be um, like a BMW legend in a way. But uh, the one problem I do have with its pricing, it, it, it's for me when you expand your view outside the world of BMW. That's right. when it becomes a lot harder to justify an M2 because you can get a lot of Corvette for that same money. Or a Porsche Cayman uh, for well, around the same price, too. And that's a more um, focused sports car. Yes and no. You're going to get a Cayman for that price, but you're not going to get a 400-horsepower Cayman. No, that's true. And, that's and true. you're going to get very little equipment. What's with that? Why does, why, what is with all the, the lack of equipment? Well, you know, a, a, Cor- a Corvette Stingray starts at 55 and uh, yeah, okay. that's 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 an impressive price. And if you throw the um, – it has 460 horsepower. Obviously, it's a different demographic. But if we're talking about enthusiasts, I think that this is something you have to mention. And um, if you get the Z51 package with that car, it doesn't add a lot more money. Suddenly, you're essentially spending the same as an M2, but you have a much, much, much more focused performance car. You think so? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean it's 0.3 seconds faster to 60 in stock form. Uh, compared to the M2, but adding that Z51 with the magnetic suspension and the the improved gearing, it's an incredible car on a racetrack. So uh, it, it, I, it's hard to say which one is easier to drive on a daily basis because the Corvette is fairly easy to drive. Uh, mm-hmm. The interior on the BMW might be a little better. I'm not sure about that. I think the M, the two series always have like a, a few plasticky bits and and hard edges and like old school older switch gear sorry not old okay. school but older switch gear yeah, that's, you know what I mean? that's a good point I, I do hear what you're saying so it's it to me uh they're, they're two very different lifestyles <laughs> yeah absolutely they're but, different and i love that i love being able to cross shop across different um segments like this because i think the corvette is quite a big vehicle and naturally aspirated v8 is a different a different experience than a, uh, a straight six like this a turbocharged straight six right? yeah and you're not going to get the same amount of luxury gear as you would mm-hmm. with uh, – but I, I just priced a Z, uh, Z51 performance package, 1LT version mm-hmm. of the Stingray, and it's 61995 And you think that's uh, – that is more – and you think that's more sporty than an M2, which is – Way sportier. I don't know. Way man. sportier. Uh, you get a dry sump oil system for the engine. I mean you get, you get all the performance gear you would get in the <laughs> M2 with more power and better grip. Uh, I think maybe a base, like $56,000, $57,000 Corvette is going to be 
toe to toe with an M2 in a lot of ways, but I think there's probably a few categories where the M2 would would overtake it. But the Z51, I don't really think it's a contest. I think it's a more focused performance car. That's really interesting because I found the M2 to be really rigid, responsive. There wasn't a moment when I was like, this could be better in some way or another. And that's what I really like about the BMW. I think it's peak BMW M right now. I think it's a very important part of what they have in the lineup. You know what I mean? For sure. I think it's the best M car by a huge margin. And what are we looking for in the next versions of, uh, maybe not the M2, but what could the rest of the lineup learn from this? And we've driven the M5, which is the most disturbingly fast vehicle that they offer. Sure. And I mean, it's, it, we're, we're going to talk about a, a disturbingly fast BMW that I drove recently in just in just a few minutes. But you and I both know that straight line speed is not the be all end all. And um, I think that if we're looking at the M3, M4 and being like, hey, what's next for these cars? How about giving them more feedback? How about making them more engaging to drive? How about uh, an exhaust note that sounds really good? Um, just all of those things. I think that both of those cars kind of got distracted by how they are on paper. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the human interaction with those vehicles was left out. And somehow the M2 escaped that and managed to be a car that you actually want to drive rather than a car you buy because, you know, you just opened your dental practice or whatever it is <laughs> and you feel like you have to have a symbol. Um, I And it's too bad because the M3 used to be what the M2 is now. That's true. Okay, so let's be let's talk about the 2019 M2 competition. Aren't you glad that the front grille of the M2 hasn't been increased by 40%? I have no thoughts on the front grille. <laughs> uh, the reason I bring that up is because uh, this past week, BMW introduced the 7 Series, and one of the headlines was the fact that the grille was 40% larger than the outgoing model. Who cares? I, you know what? There must have been a cohort of customers who were just angry <laughs> about the grille size. And they made their they made their anger known, and uh, now we have this. And you <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen the X7 with its massive front end grill too, like it's insane. I actually haven't seen this the Seven Series. I'm going to look it up now. Okay. Um, and there's some other things that have come out now. I'll admit from driving from having um, the first drive experience of the three series, which was the four cylinder 340 and the three cylinder, uh, sorry, the six cylinder um, M340 on the track, which was a lot of fun. And um, I just wanted to add that I think the BMW will will be the next BMW M3 has a good basis underpinning it. You know, I'm looking at the seven series now, and it really looks like a rolls from a lot of angles. Okay, let's talk about what you've been driving because you said it was disturbingly quick too. Yeah, it it is disturbingly quick because you don't expect it. Um, I spent three weeks behind the wheel of a 2019 BMW X4 M40i. M40i. So does that mean it's a it's a it's a six cylinder version of the car with a buttload of M performance parts, right? That's right. It's a confusingly (laughs) named non M M car. Uh, it has a lot of power. Um, we're looking at oof, 355 horsepower, which I don't believe for a second, and 365 <laughs> pound-feet of torque. I think both of those numbers are vastly underrated from the factory. So congratulations, BMW, on that. It's it's It feels like a lot more power than that. It goes 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds, so it's really not that far behind the Jeez. M2, despite the fact... <laughs> <laughs> this is a fairly large vehicle that weighs yeah. 4,350 pounds. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when you're in this – so I, right off the bat, there's a couple things I want to get out of the way about this car. It is not attractive to look at. It is – and 
It is it is unusually proportioned from most angles. It is like a tall hatchback crossover mm-hmm. coupe style with a, a plunging rear roof line. I'm not going to say it's ugly, but it's not classically attractive in any way. You wouldn't see it on the street and go, hmm, that's, that's what I want. You would be like, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, no, no, hold on, hold on, slow down for a second. I can't does slow it down. Coop, it has three hundred fifty-five unreported horse, underreported horsepower. Well, I'm sorry, what? Do you have like, does it have like, sorry, a frame frameless windows? No, it doesn't have frameless windows. So they're full size. They're like, so like, it's not a coupe. Okay. No matter what they tell us, of course not. It's marketing, but I'm just going with the marketing, Sammy. All right. How big is? How much bigger is the grill? <laughs> As compared to what? The uh, outgoing X4. Uh, Two hundred percent. I don't know. Is there an outgoing X four? <laughs> yes, just... there is. All right. Anyway, okay. um, it, I don't have the stats on grill size because I'm not a size queen like you are, Sammy. But, yes. Um, or size king. I'm not going to discriminate on your size preference. Thank you. But uh, it, it, so it's it's not a classically attractive vehicle, but it drives really well, and um, it's it's as I mentioned, surprisingly quick in a straight line. Like, you hammer the throttle and it really goes. Off the line, occasionally you get that kind of turbo stumble where it doesn't necessarily uh, it doesn't feel like you have as much power as you really do for, like, that initial half second. Mm-hmm. But once it gets going, you're, you're going to be holding on for your life. It's extremely quick, despite its size and its heft. The In a corner, it it's not fun, but it's capable. So you're not going to be worried about spinning out uh, of control, even in the winter. I mean, I had it for three weeks during some very random snow and wind and rain, cold weather, all sorts of random weather conditions. And it was very competent in all of those. Uh, the, the the size and weight of it is what makes it kind of not as fun, I guess, as as a normal car. Plus, it sits up a little bit high. And, and, and Do you I'm notice not... all of that, though? Like the yeah. extra weight, the, you the, the well, ride height? You notice the weight when you're in a corner and the ride height because just the, you're you're at you have the feeling where you're kind of sitting on top of something that you're driving versus a, a like the M2 where you're you're wrapped around it or it's wrapped around you sorry and you feel part of that experience like it's not an engaging vehicle at all despite okay. it being performance oriented it's very much a drag strip type of car where you're impressed by the speed and the rest of it is fine you know so I mean I imagine it being great on the highway for like those long trips. Um, uh, like straight line trips. Yeah, and it's it's got all the stuff that the M2 has too, from like the the loud exhaust, which you can engage in Sport Plus mode. It has uh, aggressive bl- blipping and all of that fun stuff. Uh, it has you know Sport, Sport Plus, Eco, regular, which I think is called Comfort mode. You can do it individually. Although one of the things I found kind of strange is for the individual mode, I just wanted to be able to program it so that I could have the crazy exhaust. And you can set the drivetrain to like Sport Plus or whatever, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give you the same aggressive downshifts and and blur, blur, blur as as the Sport Plus regular setting does. So I don't, I don't know what that's all about. But um, aside from that, dynamic, are you enjoying? Are you enjoying the pops and burbles now? Like, or does it seem like it's overdone now? I don't think it's overdone. I wish every car sounded like that. Um, it does sound kind of like Me Too-ish in the sense that like every car company now has to have uh, guess, the, the yeah. Jaguar overrun fuel dumping in the exhaust sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if, it, if I was 15 years old, I, I would be amazed and, and astounded and super into it. You know, like right. um, I, I'm, I like it. I just like aggressive exhaust in general. 
uh, I don't know. What do you think? Are you are you kind of falling? Out I think of I'm love? getting out. Uh, yeah, I think it was a cool fad that lasted for maybe a year and a half or two years when Jaguar started doing it. And we're like, oh, cars sound great, and then everyone else started doing it, and then you're like, even this like a like a mini can start having that th- that uh, that overrun sound. And well, there's like, there's, oh, there's right, gradation. I have two responses to that. <laughs> Sammy, you're the kind of guy who loves his favorite band until they get famous, and then you hate them for being famous, right? <laughs> I said I just think that everyone is everyone is doing it I mean I think uh, AMG does it uh, to an excessive extent as well and it's just getting overdone and I feel like I get it okay cars make noise lots of well I think there's gradations to it right like the the minis don't necessarily sound great like some four-cylinder engines don't sound great on overrun so it's it's not like every car has this amazing I mean they're all trying (laughs) it's like they can't all pull it off I want the car to sound good. Like that's all I need to hear the, the, it's like design, right? Like sound should yeah, be like design. a very important aspect of the car <laughs> that should be noticed by the buyer and by other people. It should express something. And I think the popping and burbling is not expressing anything if everyone's doing it. Uh, one, one thing, a couple other things I want to say about the X4. So, uh, the, the, distinguish- the, well, the distinguishing feature, right, is the fact that it has that sloping rear deck, which is... That's meant- the distinguishing feature, the fact that it has less rear some yes, space. Yes, it has form. less rear space compared to the X3, which is essentially an X4. They're, they're the same vehicle. But a couple yeah. of things to say about that. There's no X3 M40i. So if you want a really, really fast, hyper-aggressive, compact crossover... What? There, there is. Yes, there is. There. is. Is yes, there? there is. Okay, I take all of that back. There is an <laughs> X3 M40i. So if you want a hyper-aggressive compact crossover from BMW, you have two choices. Okay. But uh, it, this is the choice you want if you you don't really need to haul cargo and you've given up pretending that you bought your SUV for practical reasons. Because right. there's an okay amount of space in the back. It's about 19 cubic feet, uh, which is the size of a, a large sedan trunk with the rear seats up. Okay. And if you put the seats down, like I was able to carry, I had, I was, I had, uh, not tires, but um, this weird. giant fan. Why didn't you have tires? It doesn't make any sense. Because Sammy, it's so cold outside, and I had this giant fan that that I was bringing to a friend's place, and I was able to fit it inside the vehicle. And I I had previously transported the same fan inside a much larger SUV, and I didn't have any issues putting it inside the X4 with the seats down. But if you wanted to carry. I don't know if you had large boxes or something. I don't know what what you would put in a like a tall box. It, it gets pretty tight towards the back of that that hatch, and the the opening is not as wide as you would want it to be. So it's not super practical. I mean, so it's you notice a, it. You notice that that sloping rear end when you're trying to load stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, but un, it's, it's hard to ignore. But this is a lifestyle vehicle, right? This is not a vehicle you buy because you want something practical. So I don't know if it matters. Um, I don't understand that phrase, lifestyle vehicle. Aren't, aren't all cars somewhat... Oh, my somewhat... <laughs> I don't like this hip-hop music. I thought music had to have a guitar and a... No, a lifestyle vehicle is a vehicle you buy for reasons other than practicality. Like, like, look, if you buy a pickup truck to... Um, I mean, all luxury cars... Are you, you going to let me finish? Yeah. Are you going to... All right, thank you. That's, that's the most generous thing you've done in 2019. Yes, Three and a half weeks on. in. Um, if you if you buy a pickup truck to haul washing machines, it's practical. If you buy a Raptor, that's a lifestyle vehicle. You didn't buy it to do a specific work-related task or any real-related task. You bought it because of the performance and because you wanted to go off-road and bash dunes with it, which is not which is a lifestyle choice. You don't you probably don't bash dunes for a living, is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
You know? So if you buy an X4, you're not buying it because, oh, I need all this cargo space. You're buying it because, well, my, my neighbor bought an X3 and I want to one-up them. Right, with a 4. And because there's no X3 M40i, you have to buy the X4 <laughs> M40i. There is an X3 M40i. Whatever you say, man. Okay. Um, what? Do, so you you found the design to be kind of polarizing, to be weird, to be something that doesn't speak to you. I didn't say it was polarizing. I just don't think it's attractive. I think it's I think it's it, it's there. It's like there there are some angles where it looks strange, and there's some angles where it looks pretty good. Uh, but you have to be into that kind of muscly kind of big German coupe. SUV fake coupe thing like that. It's right. it's not like it, it, it's not. You know how we were talking about the six series GT. Yeah. Uh, a while back and how we determined it's probably the most practical and maybe one of the coolest BMWs, but it looks super weird. <laughs> right. I don't think the X4 looks weird in that way. I think the X4 manages to avoid some of the proportional issues that affect the 6 Series GT. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, and that's a big plus, I think. And what did you think of the interior of the X4 uh, M40i? Because I remember the new X... I'm kind of impressed with the new X3s. They have a, a pretty... Well done interior by today's standards. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's I think it's quite decent across the board. I don't really have any complaints about the interior at all. And um, I hauled my uh, my family to the airport and back with all of our luggage and stuff. So and your fan? No, the fan had to stay at home because I couldn't fit it in the overhead. But uh, I didn't have any issues fitting our luggage in. So like for small stuff like that, like I said, the, the trunk cool. is the size of a large sedan, so you're going to be able to do that. But it's not you know it's not a practical vehicle. And it's, have, it's not – you would never take it on a racetrack and have a good time either. Right. You know? Uh, I have one more question. As I can see, the X4 M40i starts before de- destination or delivery destination at $60,000. Is yes. that appropriate? And what does appropriate mean when you're buying Do a you vehicle feel like- that ex- <laughs> exists exclusively for one specific customer that thinks it's appropriate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like they didn't have to – they're not going up against anyone else really. I mean there's The other, GLC coupe. That's yeah, about it, it. They're, they're sort of comparable vehicles out there. But it's not like this is a, a segment where people really cross shop. And right. they're like, mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this X4 M40 is for me. You go in there and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can make that lease payment. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the entire conversation. So you think it's worth it? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I personally have no use for this type of vehicle, but that yeah. doesn't make it bad. It just means that someone out there – I mean, I think someone out there could enjoy it. I think that, you know – I mean, people can enjoy a lot of things. Let's hit, what are you let's, to say, have Stan? To, we have to pushing fo- that on me. I told you I wasn't into it. <laughs> we have to focus on this. Is this an interest? Is this like – is an interesting car? Is the, is the industry better for having this bizarre X4 out here? Maybe. No. I think so. No? No. I don't think really? so. Really? No. I, I, I think this is a, an example of slicing the segments over and over and over again until you end up with incremental versions of the same platform. Um, an X3 M40i, probably, I haven't driven it, probably mm, drives exactly the same and is more practical. So it's entirely a styling choice. I don't think it's better or worse that it exists. Uh, I think it just exists and you can choose it if you want to, which is great because the market oh, should be about yeah. that. Yeah, I think that there should be as many different options as there are out there. Uh, that didn't make any sense. But um, I don't think this improves things across the board. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, think, options, the X, I, think, I think the X6 is heinous, but I feel like this vehicle escapes that. I, I think it's not as broish as an X6. I like, I like that the X4 exists, but I would never recommend it or or like check it out myself. Well, what like, do I don't you like? Know. Why, why do you like that it exists? Like. 
Because there's going to be someone with different tastes than myself or yourself or anybody else. And well, not listening to the, the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, that's for sure. Maybe. But just like we mentioned, the although on the other hand, when we talked about the 6 Series GT, we said it does it takes the best parts of a bunch of other cars and combines them all together. The X4 M40 doesn't seem like it's taking the best parts of the X3 and then making it well, better except by the drive tra- Except the drivetrain. But I mean, yeah, that is right. the best. It's that is the best part of the X of the X3 M40i. Yeah, right. You're right. It doesn't it doesn't raise the bar anywhere. It just did, and then did something weird with the back end. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because the six series GT took like the best parts of the seven series and, and, and like made everything weird. <laughs> yeah, but gave you more space as a result. I think it, so, it looks better than the pre. I mean, you know, the pre. This is yes. the, ne- the first year of the second generation X4, and it looks better than the old X4. The X, the old X4 was more awkward looking. That's true. I agree with you that on that. I agree. 100%. So that's the improvement, I guess. Perfect. Um, but, but still, there's no real, yeah. there's no real reason to buy it over an X3. That's I mean, interesting. You, you have to want it. Do you think there's going to be like a bunch of these in the used car market in a couple of years? That because they, like you said, the lease payments are are finished, and there's just going to be nobody's not going to be nobody's going to be sure they want one, right? I don't think so because they don't think BMW sells a lot of these. I think they're okay. pretty low volume, so it's you're not going to be tripping over them. I wonder if in a in a bunch of years people are going to wish when we're inundated with crossovers that are almost all the same and look the same that maybe the X4 um, it's a sport activity coupe or something like that. Well, you you know when this vehicle might make more sense is when the X4M appears. Right, that's coming soon. And we, I is there going to be an X3M? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's going to be both. I believe so. Well, okay. Well, then I retract my statement. Let's hope so. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that 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 might you know. I mean, then you're looking; it can go up against like the Macan Turbo kind of deal. Ooh, good call. Yeah. I forget about the Macan Turbo all the time. <laughs> I should. Pro- I don't think I had it on my Christmas card list. Oh, it's probably so oh Macan Turbo crying in the corner. Oh no. Well, you know, enough <laughs> enough BMW X4 talk. You mentioned that you had gone to the Detroit Auto Show uh, this year. I did not go, and uh, I feel okay about that. But a lot of stuff. Well, not a lot. Some stuff happened there. And yeah. uh, Sammy was there for all of it because he is he is like a multi-headed media hydra. And uh, we are going to do a lightning round now where Sammy is going to – It says that on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> what, lightning round? No, multi-headed <laughs> medium hydra. Nice. Um, you, you be careful where you drop hydra though. You, uh, Sammy's I, don't want walk... the, I don't want the Avengers on. Sammy is going to walk us through what he saw, what he thought was most interesting, and then I'm going to probably mock it. Okay, perfectly. <laughs> That sounds like a great way to start things off. Um, I think the um, the Detroit Auto Show was headlined by three enthusiast-friendly vehicles. Lightning the round. First, yes. The first one, Toyota Supra. Ooh, Sammy, why you got to hit me with the Supra right off the bat? <laughs> Say something nice about the Supra. Um, You've driven it. You've driven it, Sammy. I have driven it. I think it drives better than a lot of people think it will drive better. Uh, the, drive. Does it drive it's, better than it looks, Sammy? I think so, yes. Uh, I think it has a very attractive look from the side profile and three, rear three-quarters and uh, rear, rear profile. The front end is a bit much. This is a vehicle that is, a, to me, a huge missed opportunity for Toyota. In a world where the Lexus LC exists, mm-hmm. the Supra might as well be invisible. Are you going to elaborate on that? What do you mean? The LC is a ginormous Grand Tour. The LC and this is, much is so pretty. 
in every That's way. Okay. The Supra is really not an attractive vehicle. It has so many strange looks and creases and bulbs and curves. And it doesn't – I mean, if you look at the, the BRZ and the FRS, it's yeah. pretty clear that Toyota knows how to design a coupe. And mm-hmm. if you're going to – I just think the LC is so much better executed. And I was really excited that the Supra would look like an even more aggressive LC. And instead, it kind of looks like – I don't even I, – I don't even know what what comparable vehicle the Supra, the Supra kind of looks like. Like a bulgier RX-8? I, I don't yeah, the design is maybe where the car drops off a little bit. And the interior as well is not very Toyota-esque. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing just yet. As I've mentioned to you before, it's all BMW stuff, um, but t- tuned to Toyota's flavor. So from what I understand, it's very bizarre that the output figures of this car at 335 horsepower and 365 pound-feet of torque is different than what you get with a Z4, which is the same vehicle underneath it all but we both know both car companies are lying about the output of that engine just like they lied about the output of the x4 it's all about market position it allows you to bring out a hotter version of the car later on if you want to without necessarily having to straddle as big of a gap of performance on paper so that's a good point you're giving yourself you're giving yourself leeway um all now, right the other issue i have with this with the supra actually right now is the price point at 49.9 it is a pretty expensive car, I think, and I think there's too much gap between where the 86 isn't and the Supra is. You well, know that I mean? gap will be filled by a four-cylinder version of the Supra. Don't worry about that. But how come it hasn't been announced yet? Because why blow your load at Detroit when you can spread it out over the course of the year? How long did we hear about the Supra? I mean, it's not like to- <laughs> Toyota doesn't show all of its cards right away. And the, the other thing about that price point is you really better hope, if you're Toyota, that the Camaro and the Mustang don't walk all over it at the next comparison test. I'm telling you, the, the, the sort of grip and responsiveness that the Supra has reminds me um, a lot of a Porsche Cayman. Um, I wish I had the two back-to-back when I drove them. And uh, to make that, you know, to really call, say that iron, like, with an ironclad definition there. But you know, uh, the, 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 the Mustang GT has 125 more horsepower. And how much does that cost? I don't know how much the Mustang GT costs. So I, I'm imagining kind of mid-30s. Well, I, think I think it's more than that. But but why would you buy the Supra? Like why who's buying the Supra? That's my big question at that price. Cuz I think your I think your price name? comment is very valid. The name, the engine, I don't know. The uh, the name? Really? Some people re- I mean isn't why did they call it the Supra? They had to call it the Supra because the They could have called it the they could have called it the Celica. This is not a Celica though. Whatever that means. I mean the, the other Supra, the, the past Supra, the 4th gen was not a super popular vehicle. They didn't mm-hmm. sell millions of them. That's why they stopped making it, because it was too expensive for its market at the time. Not necessarily through any fault of Toyota, but because of how the Japanese economy was going gangbusters at that era. Um, it, it's never been a high-volume vehicle, is, is kind of my point. The final issue I have with the, the Supra is the lack of a manual. Um, I do think it's – like I said, I think the car drives very well. I wish it had a manual because I think a really true enthusiast-friendly sports car needs a manual transmission. All right, lightning um, round, lightning round, lightning round. Move on right, to... Right, we've got to go to the next one. How about this new... Oh, here we go. I've got to give you it. It's a Ford. It's a Mustang. Shelby GT500 with a supercharged V8 and over 700 horsepower. I don't even know how much it actually has, but 700... You can't even measure it. There's so <laughs> yeah. much horsepower. Now, we've got the same issue we've got with the Super. This is going to be an automatic-only vehicle with womp, a 7 womp. dual-clutch transmission. Um, it's going to be quick. 
I think, from what I understand. When you have 700 horsepower, that's just what happens, right? Here's, here's, here's what I want to say about the automatic only. Ford's line on the fact that it has this DCT is th- there's just two things. The first is they said we don't have a transmission available that would handle that much horsepower, a manual transmission available. That's kind of a weird thing to say considering the DCT isn't a Ford product either. <laughs> it's something that I believe Tremec built. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, the, 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 the uh, Hellcat has that level, yeah. of, <laughs> that level of horsepower with a manual transmission. So the technology is available. But the other mm-hmm. thing, that, the thing that kind of irritates me more is the idea of we're going to put a DCT in this car because it shifts faster than a human and therefore it's faster and therefore it's better in a straight line. I don't buy cars because they're faster on paper in a straight line than someone else's car. I buy cars because I enjoy driving them. And part mm-hmm. of the reason why I buy uh, sports cars is because they have manual transmissions and it makes me feel like I'm doing something. I'm engaged with the driving experience. This is going to be a low-volume car for Ford anyway. So the idea that somehow they need to have this mass appeal uh, with the the paper stats versus um, maybe making it a little bit slower with a manual it just seems kind of ingen- disingenuous to me. That's a hot take and a half. Uh, this thing will hit 60 in three and a half seconds and it does the quarter mile in less than 11, which didn't you say is a pretty important um, marker when it comes to the Dodge Demon? Well, the the Demon is under 10 seconds. Is it really? Oh, yeah, which mistake. is another universe of performance. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what else to say about this. It's another high horsepower um, GT500. It's the last one was impressive. I think it cracked the 650 mark at a very important time. In the, la- the last one was one of the scariest cars I've ever driven in my life. And it had the heaviest clutch, if I remember correctly. But that added to the personality of the car. You you remember your time with it because of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember my time with it because I got sideways, like full 90 degree sideways at 100 miles an hour on a racetrack. Oh, my with God. It. Yeah. That's, so purpose? I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> on purpose? No. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Okay, and it has Magna Ride, which is going to be important, I think, for a GT500. I think that'll be nice. Um, and the third enthusiast-oriented car is the, for America only, Subaru WRX STI S209, which is a very special piece of the Subaru WRX um, puzzle. For years, Subaru's made these S vehicles, these S20-something vehicles, and they've been Japan only, and they've represented the best that STI could do. And now... Subaru is making one of these things for um, the North American market. It's the first time. There's going to be 200 of them, and um, that should make some Subaru enthusiasts very happy. Hot take. I like the wider track and the big fenders and the more aggressive tires. Uh, I think it's a fun version of the STI. Uh, Cold take. They could have got more power out of it. I just wish there was more power out of it. I'm, I'm happy there is some more power, but I mean, when you're offering less power for a more, it's going to be expensive. And when you're offering that kind of limited edition car, and I can just go and get a Cobb tuner on a regular STI and do more power right out of the box, right. that that lets me down a little bit. But everything else about the car I like very much. I like the focus package aspect of it. I think that's very compelling. I think this is really cool because, again, this is the true enthusiast-oriented vehicle because it's limited edition. It has more horsepower than the normal one at 341 horsepower, and it has a manual transmission, and that's all very important aspects of the vehicle. They anticipate this thing to be even faster than the very special edition Type RA, which was a record-holding vehicle at the Nürburgring for a short period of time. Can you imagine a WRX that's even faster than that? It's, it's going to be impressive. 
All right. Well, that is our lightning round on the Detroit Auto Show 2019 edition. And next year, the Detroit Auto Show is moving from January to June, I believe. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if any of us will be there. We'll, we'll find out. But oh, uh, what's going to uh, happen to us? We, we, we who knows, Sammy? Who knows? Oh, no. uh, That's very foreboding. But for everyone who's listening, uh, if you want to hear more Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And see all of our episodes there. You can subscribe on Google uh, Play Music. You can get Apple iTunes. You can get us on Spotify, Chatbox, Castbox, Everybox, all kinds of stuff. Sammy, what else? If they want to get a hold of us and tell us how how terrible a job we do, um, oh. how can they do that? Uh, if you wanted to do that, we appreciate all your feedback, critical or constructive or positive or negative, whatever you've got. Um, Head on over to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact button. I won't try to explain it like I did last time on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, people know how, what buttons are. We're going we're gonna to trust that. <laughs> uh, you can click that. You can send us uh, a note. It goes straight to us. Or you can send an email. You can send it uh, straight to Ben. He's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or you can hit us on social media. I'm at Sammy underscore ha on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Ben. He's on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. So uh, until next week, um, thank you for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.